there's always a need for one-to-one outreach from sales or whatever the business's model is. This is not to replace it. It's to simply enhance it and make it a little more efficient so every conversation gets them a little further down that path. Hello, welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president of Blast Media, and I will be your host and bartender today. I am pumped. I was joined today by my friend, Brian Walker. He is the president of StatWax, which is a digital ad agency that works with major SaaS brands like Attentive. Brian and I have talked over the years back and forth about ABM strategies and how and if paid strategies can support that. And I know what you're saying. You are saying to yourself, well, Lindsay, isn't the entire point of ABM to eliminate these broader marketing channels in favor of going straight towards a smaller set of pre-identified prospects? And to that, I would say, yes, you are right. That is the point. However, what we have uncovered is that ABM is becoming a more commoditized strategy than it's ever been. And there is a place for paid channels to come in and strengthen those ABM efforts. So grab a drink. Brian has one ready in his hand. I have mine. And join us as we talk about influencing ABM strategy through paid channels. Mr. Walker, welcome to SAS Half Full. Thank you. Glad to be here. This convo's way overdue. It is. It is. It's been far too long since we connected. I've had wonderful SaaS marketers on this show, and you belong in that category. Yet you and I have never sat down and had the opportunity to chat officially on the podcast. So I'm glad that we are. Yeah, likewise. And I know Brian personally, and I know that he was not going to make me drink alone today. And I'm right about that, aren't I? I, You never have to invite me twice when a drink's involved. You know that. What are you drinking? I have a very classic old-fashioned here, I'm ashamed to say, in a coffee mug uh, because it's all we had available in the kitchen right now. But it's, it's not the mug that matters. It's what's inside it. Absolutely. I usually do these from our office and I, I should know better and stock our office with better drinks. We send all of our guests a cocktail kit. So it's has all of the ingredients, very fancy drinks. I end up drinking like a two-year-old truly, or I am actually drinking. I did mix up a margarita. I'm proud of myself. And I do feel like it's a relatively okay hour to be drinking. Sometimes I do these at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. It's a little aggressive, but this is like, you're my last actual conversation of the day. So I feel like I'm going to be all right here. So there's a hundred different things that Brian and I could talk about today. Brian is the president of StatWax. They do kick-ass work for B2B SaaS companies like Attentive and Seven Corners and Capacity, which is actually a shared client between us uh, at Blast Media and StatWax. But doing some things that are way, way over what my brain can process. I am a storyteller, PR, words, literature. That is me. Uh, I am. My brain does not operate as Brian's does with numbers and attribution modeling and data scientists and all of that. So there's a lot of things I want to pick his brain about, but something that we, I think, have talked about literally since even day one of StatWax is how paid strategies can 
could they, actually at the time was, could they complement and strengthen an ABM strategy? All our listeners are mostly B2B SaaS marketers. Some might be founders, all different stage companies, but whether they're startups or publicly traded companies, I would say that by and large, most of our listeners are implementing an ABM strategy. So when Brian and I were talking about, well, gosh, what topic makes the most sense, there was a very aggressive, like, ABM is dead type of conversation. And Brian said, it's not so much that ABM is dead, but the old version of, quote, just run ABM and reap the rewards is dying because there's too much noise out there to cut through. So we're going to be diving into how paid strategies can enhance and differentiate an ABM campaign and make it stronger. But before we do that, Brian, I do want to dive in and and talk a little bit more about you as a person, as a human being, your role at StatWax, and of course, what does StatWax do? So tell us about your current role at StatWax and then why y'all exist. So my role at StatWax is is president, which is a pretty... A vague and nondescript title for the actual day-to-day work, which is really you know the marketing strategy. Uh, I come from a digital ads background, a data background, so I'm really helping our teams make sure that our B2B and our SaaS clients are getting the latest and greatest in terms of page strategies. There is, as you said, so much noise out there and so many different channels and so many people competing for visibility in a finite spot. My job is to help ensure that our clients are in those new places that their competitors are not yet, or that they're narrowing down where they're spending their money in the best possible ways. And so that's what I used to do for clients in previous roles here at at StatWax. It's what I help our teams do now. And it's really why StatWax exists. We exist because SaaS companies want to know how to spend their marketing dollars more efficiently and get a better picture of what it's actually providing them in terms of of revenue, in terms of return, and not just some vague impressions or other marketing metrics that that really don't matter for their bottom line. And something that's always impressed me about StatWax is the level of transparency that StatWax provides. It is uncommon, from what I understand, to speak, number one, to speak directly to the person who is analyzing or people analyzing and placing and creating the strategy for your ads and to also see to the penny where every single dime dollar penny is being spent. There is no guesswork. The clients see what you see, which is very rare. You can't hide from the data, right? And we want to make that very clear upfront. If something's not working, we should be held to that. We don't want to try and bury it underneath markup costs or roll up all of your marketing channels into one line item that looks like it's doing okay. We want to be very open with what each tactic is doing because in our minds, there are ways to tie it all together and show why each tactic plays into the next and ultimately helps lift the company's overall marketing efforts. So we do build ourselves on transparency on perhaps some might even say over-delivering on some of the data. I'm sure there are certain agency auditors out there who would look at what we provide clients and kind of scoff at it a little bit, but we find it helps build better relationships. It helps make for better marketing decisions and it helps make for clients who are more interested and in, in, in smarter about what we're doing and, and more into learning about what we're doing and why it's working. 
So I want to dive into ABM a bit. I don't think we need to necessarily define what ABM is, but I do feel like when you think about ABM and think about paid strategies, it's they almost compete at initial thought because the whole point of ABM is to eliminate the broader marketing channels like paid search in favor of going straight to the smaller pre-identified pool of prospects. So unpack this for our listeners on how these two can play nice. Definitely. And you hit the nail on the head, right? The common thought is why spend and cast a wide net when I can get a list of target accounts or buyers and just hit those very hard at the right cadence with the right one-to-one messaging. And that makes sense. It's kind of a tale as old as time a little bit. It's not a new strategy of sales. We've just We've put some really nice acronyms to it and terminology and everything, and it's very hot right now. But at the end of the day, the amount of data available from a digital marketing perspective, the amount that we can glean about an individual or about a target account, and how well we can then layer on extra touch points and better set a path or a journey for them to go through with company XYZ, it doesn't just rely on the more old school ABM of my biz ops people or my sales are going to call on this person or send this LinkedIn message. Think about how many LinkedIn messages you get every day. There's just a lot of noise out there. There is a way to be nuanced with that and to get conversations. But when you're talking an ABM strategy with thousands of potential prospects on it, and you think you know who the buyer is and what they need to hear right now, That's great, but what data actually informs who that buyer is and what they need to hear and see now and what data is there and what opportunities are there to follow up afterwards at the exact right times when they're not at their office picking up the phone right then or sending an email? How are we engaging them later? And so we don't necessarily say put all of your eggs into broad paid search and try and push all the competition out and and be something for everybody. We instead say, what about that ABM list and that strategy makes them the right buyers? What behavior signals, what data can we glean from them as people and as personas? And how can we just loop in some additional digital touch points to maybe nurture them a little bit before that direct outreach and then provide some follow-ups afterwards without taking more time from your biz dev team to do that? Because These days, with all the noise out there and the short attention spans, there's just a lot of touch points needed, a lot of little pieces of content and just little nudges along that consideration path that ABM is great to kickstart a conversation or close it really well, but do you want to be providing all those dozens of little moments in between with your people, or can you deploy some paid tactics and help move it along a little bit very subtly during some of the after hours time? That makes sense. Yeah, and I, I did laugh when you said this isn't new. I mean, ABM is not new. We just have an acronym around it. Can you walk us through, though, a use case on how paid could complement a specific ABM strategy? So, for example, let's say I am an email security provider, and I typically would be selling into a director of marketing at large retailers. So let's say Macy's is a target account. And I, there are maybe three titles within Macy's, three people, like I've identified it's these three people within Macy's that I am putting into my ABM strategy. How does or how do you use 
digital to help complement that and find these? Is it more of like a lookalike audience? How are you actually helping support that strategy? On one hand, there is still a one-to-one component with it a little bit. If we're talking, you know, about a singular account and some targeted buyers, right off the bat, don't just rely on maybe a cold phone call and an email and a LinkedIn in-mail message. Those are great, but they get lost in the shuffle a little bit. You can use something like a LinkedIn to still get a very finite audience of potential buyers and send much more fully realized messages or quote unquote journeys to those individuals. They might show up like a message, but it doesn't necessarily require an immediate response from them or your actual live salesperson trying to walk them through something. So case in point, we can go on LinkedIn, carve out a a digital ad campaign around some very targeted individuals or companies, and then create almost a chatbot flow of messages that they can walk through and say, are you interested in this or that? Have you had trouble with this at your company? You can walk them through these different pathways without relying on deploying all of your sales collateral in live real time to get someone on the phone to first have those conversations. If we want to back away from just the one-to-one a little bit, if you have a list of target accounts, a lot of platforms, LinkedIn included, will let you load those in as a custom audience to target just those individuals. LinkedIn is still the best because if you just have a list of company names, you can load those in and then set which job titles at those companies you want to serve out messaging to. So if you know that your sales team has a cadence of calling on these at a certain time of month or week, and you know what message they're leaving behind, what collateral they're passing along, set a campaign targeted to just the decision makers at those companies that kicks in two, three days later and uses a carousel ad that promotes your three best pieces of thought leadership or a couple value propositions, or a customer testimonial video, something to just nurture it along. None of this is going to be that direct converting, like I'm going to close the customer right here. There's still a lot of nuance there. But in general, what we find is the SaaS or the B2B company that's got a strong ABM strategy is usually also leveraging strong thought leadership content to help drive that. We've done geofencing around individual addresses of decision makers. You have a Macy's corporate and you want specific buyers there, let's draw a circle around their headquarters building and pepper mobile devices with just some awareness building display advertising during business hours, during lunch hour, when maybe they're just mindlessly surfing or or on a different app and not in meetings and just build up that brand awareness for a couple of days before the ABM is set to take hold. So they're already a little warmer or at least subconsciously have seen your brand before. I love that idea because to your point, there's not a, a, you know, it's not a buy now, but for whatever reason, when inevitably, and I think the timing here, what you just said is key. The the timing on this was before the one-on-one outreach starts is let's prime the pump a little bit so that when that phone rings, when that email comes in, for whatever reason, that CMO is like, stat wax, where have I heard that before? And right, it's like before you can think about it, you you may or may not pick up the phone or answer the email, but there is some brand familiarity there that didn't exist before that does help you feel a bit more trustworthy 
or give you some sort of credibility because your name is familiar. Exactly. It's not a replacement. And and that's why you and I had a laugh about the concept of is ABM dead? Absolutely not. Maybe the acronym is going to change, but the approach to it will always remain. There's always a need for one-to-one outreach from sales or whatever the business's model is. This is not to replace it. It's to simply enhance it and make it a little more efficient. So every conversation gets them a little further down that path than maybe it would have done acting on its own in a vacuum. And it's always interesting to me because especially with these ABM platforms, like you're, it's an account-based marketing platform, but you sell to sales. So I'm like, so it's actually account-based sales versus account-based marketing. So what you're talking about is marketing. Whoever's owning these digital strategies is marketing. The one-to-one outreach and the prospecting is sales. These two departments often don't work well together. Sometimes they do in, in organizations, but oftentimes they do not. What are your suggestions or recommendations on how to integrate these two in a way that works? It's the biggest clash we often see, right, between sales and marketing. The reason being, if I'm on the sales side, and and I've done the sales side before, sales looks at marketing as one of two things. They're either here to take responsibilities from me by doing my job for me and getting people into the pipeline and nurturing them through, or... They're here to flood my desk with low quality leads that I'm going to have to call on and they're not going to go anywhere because marketing is just too disconnected. And when done improperly, that's exactly what happens. But there's a synergy between them, right? Where they're both humming along perfectly. Marketing has to understand when and where are sales reaching out and what are they hearing in their conversations? And then sales needs to understand here's how marketing is arming them with more data up front and better potential upfront to have more efficient conversations and talk to that person exactly where they're at. Throw out the script where every single person coming in is treated as brand new to this product and and I have to read the same intro and spiel about who we are. We're now going to start seeing because of the data and because of the pre and post touch points that marketing is running, what content were they engaging with before they came through my door or, or through my computer? What touch points did they engage with afterward? and why and how. So my one-to-one follow-ups can be better focused on, hey, what value did you get out of that webinar you ended up watching? Did you really like that aspect of the demo that you ended up diving into afterwards? Like, why did you engage with that white paper we put in front of you of the four options that you had? So sales needs to also demand more of marketing and, and go in and say, I know you see everything everyone does on this website, and I know you have these audiences that you're reaching out to, and you see what they engage with and what they don't. Help me by giving me that so I can tailor my conversations to the actual wants and needs of these people right now when I'm talking to them. Without necessarily naming a client, can you think of a time where there was a a SaaS client who was running what we would consider a successful ABM strategy? without any paid on top of it, where StatWax was able to come in and supplement that and maybe any marked results that you you were able to see? We see it quite often. ABM strategies do tend to be successful. They're created for a reason. They've been around as long as they have for a reason. And when we come in, the first questions usually are around, well, why is that person the one on your outreach plan. Why them? And usually it's because, well, they're the ones who 
make the ultimate decision about acquiring a tool or bringing in a partner. They, they sign the contract or the check. And when we start looking at the data, what we start to realize is, yes, that account is good, but you're reaching out to the wrong person at this particular time. They're the ultimate decision maker, but the reason they're not picking back up the phone or giving you more than 15 minutes is because there's three people in their group who find and vet out a solution and then maybe put ideas on their desk and have conversations about it. And they ultimately approve the purchase or not. Here, though, is what the data says you need to be reaching out to. And so in this one particular instance, and, I, and, and again, I won't name names, but they did very successful with their ABM, but it was a volume play. They had thousands and thousands of potential prospects on their list. And going in and starting to look at the data, we realized, oh my goodness, the customer journey is actually with a little bit of test spend on LinkedIn and some really specific long tail keywords on paid search that allowed us to see which audiences performed and how, we realized the first decision maker was three levels below like the C-suite that they were going after originally, a position that's not just going to pick up the phone for anybody and make time on their calendar at some of these accounts either. They had folks on their team who were researching solutions to problems, engaging with webinars, downloading white papers. And we started to see that journey and build that roadmap of if you put this content and this thought leadership in front of these people, by title, they may not look like someone that you would deploy your sales collateral to right now, but it will trickle down with proper nurturing to actual sales conversations because they're going to go to their higher ups and then their higher ups with Here's a solution. I didn't realize we had this problem, but look at this great info I found and who else they've helped. I think you should look at this for us. And once we helped retool who they reached out to first and then partnered with them to put some of that content in front of the right eyes early on through paid means, all of a sudden, a couple months later, the feedback from sales was, wow, I'm getting such good conversation now from people who would never give me the time of day before. And some of it's coming into me proactively before I even have to reach out. So again, I want to go back again to the sort of this sales and marketing and the, the integration of the teams. Something that we've talked about in the past that was, I guess, surprising to me that was not common was integrating your CRM data into your ads platform. That seems like something that I assumed most companies were doing, but after having a talk with you, they are not. And so I did want to talk about that a little bit to take that like through to, okay, how is it affecting these specific accounts outside of my sales team saying, ooh, closing more deals or having better conversations is the benefit of connecting those systems. Yeah, you're going to get me nerding out really good here. That's okay. So that's, there are plenty you, of nerds you know that listen to this show, and I love them. Thank you, nerds. You know, you know the buttons to press. We might need some more margaritas by the time I'm done. But it's what I started to touch on previously, but I didn't want to get too in the weeds. But you have to be able to see that data to understand the ideal roadmap of your eventual customers, to understand who was in play and when. You have to be able to collect that data first. And so in the particular example I shared, that's exactly what happened. They used HubSpot as a CRM, but honestly, any CRM, as long as you're capturing some information about who's getting your content and all, you can start tracking these marketing pieces. Which, by the way, if you're not capturing some type of data when someone gets a webinar sign up or downloads a white paper or something, that's rule number one. 
you got to capture something to be able to evaluate it later. So if you're just giving all of this away without so much as an email, switch that right up because it will help tell a huge story. So in this particular instance, as emails started coming in on a variety of different content and then other sales conversations took place, we started realizing a pattern where eventual customers, if we looked at who was in their CRM system from these companies, it was a variety of different names and titles. And because we were capturing through hidden fields on the forms, if you download a white paper, does it capture UTM parameters that says they came from Facebook or LinkedIn or Google search, things like that. By capturing that, we started realizing this account, let's just say they closed StatWax as an account. StatWax is the customer and the president signs the contract. But now we can actually see that the director of revenue first came two months prior from a paid search campaign and actually just signed up for one of our webinars. And then we can see that two others on his team ended up downloading some white papers of ours in the days that followed. So first of all, that webinar must have been impactful. Second of all, we need to do better at following up with our webinar guests by promoting out some additional content to keep that story going. And then third, look at all of these different titles that we were never targeting because we just kept trying to call on the president who didn't have time on the calendar to talk to us or even know that they had a problem that needed a solution. We should go back a little further and start with director of revenue or others on his team and promote some of that content. But none of that happens if we aren't collecting information at all those valuable points throughout the website or throughout what we're putting out there, whether it's gated content, webinar, signups, you know, just sign up for a newsletter, any opportunities. And then modifying the lead capture forms, modifying our analytics so that the traffic sources sending folks there are also available to us. That became the key because then we started to say, before sales ever called on someone as part of ABM, these keywords in paid search and this content that was being marketed on LinkedIn, painting with a bit of a broader brush, actually brought in the people who kickstarted the conversation. And that's where we start to attach true ROI to marketing spend that previously might not have looked successful at all because the one person who signed the contract and said yes was the one person who didn't engage digitally, but they were influenced by everyone who did prior. And really the key takeaway that I'm getting from this conversation, it, outside of that, yes, um, digital certainly can enhance an ABM strategy, is that that digital part of it, though, does need should start before the sales begins there. ABM journey and and can continue on as that along with sales, but that that upfront brand building, getting familiar with the name and figuring out who the additional influencers are outside of the person that you deem holds the budget to start that earlier to help make that sales process more efficient has been my key takeaway. Brian, in your opinion, who ultimately is responsible for owning ABM because it's sometimes sales, it's a lot marketing, but where do you think that should live? Who ultimately should be the driver of that? I do ultimately think it lives best with sales. As an agency, even when we come in, we say our job is to uncover all of the data, all of the stories that say, here's where we should deploy these efforts and why and what it's going to do. But at the end of the day, no one knows your business and your value proposition 
and your true target market better than you. And the same goes for the sales team. They're in that role for a reason. They know how to talk to folks. They know how to pick up on pain points and interest and all of that in a way that some proactive digital outreach isn't always necessarily going to do the best. And they're the only ones who are having the live conversations that result. Even if those conversations are with a different decision maker who didn't engage digitally, they're still the ones who hold the key to what did we actually hear? All of the digital efforts can be great to get conversations through the door. If the pain point that keeps coming up is our product is too expensive or they still don't understand what it does, they're the ones who are going to hear that as sales. And then marketers can react to that and change up the touch points that we're putting out there to address those pain points more proactively. So ultimately, because the relationship does start happening more person to person in a more old school conversation way with sales, I do think it's best owned by them. But marketing can do their part by being very open to the conversations around what are you hearing? What is your sales process? Why are these your target customers or your target buyers? And then here are our ideas. And here's what the data is telling us. Instead of two sides trying to butt heads and saying, well, it should be all with us or, or all with them. I, I think that's where the flow starts to get a lot better. And for those who are listening, and again, we have sales leaders, marketing leaders, founders. If you're unsure if your marketing team or as a marketer, if you're like, fuck, I am not supporting my sales team's ABM efforts, it's okay. But start that conversation and get an understanding of who they're targeting and why and figure out how you can help support them to prime that pump leading up to, to new efforts. Uh, and on the sales side, if you're not sure if your marketing team is supporting your strategy in any way, you're probably right because they would have had to talk to you first. So get that ironed out. Brian, is there anything that we didn't tackle regarding this subject that you want to make sure that we cover? Yeah, I don't think so. We touched on the data piece, and I'm glad you asked about that because it is the driving force. For those who might be saying, holy shit, I, I don't know if this is happening, everyone's always scared to kind of dive into the data, right? That's like this just this black hole that you could spend days in and never get out of and not understand half the numbers in there. But just start asking around on sales or marketing, um, especially if you're running some digital, but don't know if it's supplementing ABM. Just ask the team, are these efforts being tracked into the CRM? When we capture a lead, are we able to see what marketing touch points they came from? Are we able to kind of attribute that back? If the answer is no, or I'm not sure, that right there is the first place to start. You don't even have to see the data or understand the numbers. Just the concept of what more you can do if you're capturing that and telling that story, that can influence everything that comes after. And we've yet to meet a, a SaaS client to whom we say, what if your sales team could work half as hard at closing their conversations because they're that much better quality? No one has said, no, I don't want that. I want to overwork them and get less ROI out of it. Otherwise, they're not a client for long for a number of obvious reasons. So that's the ultimate goal is making it more efficient for everyone involved in the process, not stealing job of sales or doing away with ABM. It's getting all of that machine to just hum along that much better. But it starts with the data piece for sure. Well, Brian, as we end every episode, I always ask our guests if they have a signature or favorite toast to send us out. What do you got? Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever been asked to give a toast before. I'm fortunate enough to have never been anyone's best man, so I've never had to give a speech. I usually just say 
cheers and take and and takes the drink as quick as possible before anyone realizes I haven't said anything of actual value. Dude, cheers works. That cheers that's as classic yeah. as it gets. So I will certainly drink to that. Cheers. With a solo cup of margarita and a I, coffee mug of old fashioned. Do you need any other way to go out? Me. I'm poor. I know I'll have a solo cup. I Brian, love it. this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate the insights. Thanks again to Brian for joining me on SAS Half Full. Always a pleasure to talk to that guy. Hopefully you learned something about supplementing your ABM strategy with paid media. Brian was joining me for a drink. If you would like your own cocktail kit, we can help with that. Head on over to our partners at shakerandspoon.com forward slash half full to get 10 bucks off your first cocktail kit. Always appreciate the listen. Keep tuning in and until next time, bottoms up.